All right, welcome to Political as Heck, a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Astle, and you are Todd Weiler. What's up, Todd? <laughs> doing well, doing well. Uh, happy New Year. Happy uh, New Year to you. 2022, so let's get it started with a bang, or not. <laughs> yes, it feels a lot like 2020 and 2021, actually. It, it does, it does, which is not a good start to the year. No, no, it's not. So... The Omicron surge has case rates climbing here in Utah and across the country. Um, in fact, I think we're up to like 2 million cases a day or something like that, uh, doubled in the last week. Um, the Salt Lake County Health Director has reimposed a countywide mask mandate. It's not clear whether the county council will hold a vote on whether to ratify or reject the mandate. Corey. If you were on the Salt Lake County Council, would you vote to override the mandate? Yes, I would. I would vote to override it. I would reject the mandate. I think that at this point, it's the science is pretty darn clear that the masks that regular people wear are not really doing any good. So unless we want to impose a, an N95 mandate, which is pretty extreme, then a lot of this is just window dressing. I hate to say it, but it's true. And N95s are extremely uncomfortable and are not meant to be worn for long periods. It's very difficult. My wife's a nurse, and she wears one for 12 hours. It's very hard, very suffocating to wear those things um, for, for so long. So, I mean, what I was going to say, New York and other cities have imposed draconian mask and vaccine passport measures all year long, and their infection rates are equally high. I mean, and this is why, because the masks are really not doing too much. It's finally dawning on elites in the media. I mean, I feel like last week and the week before was – there was a little bit of a sea change, at least on Twitter, with these uh, elites and reporters. It finally dawned on them that they are going to get COVID. So everyone within the sound of my voice, you know, you're going to get COVID. No, you're not going to be able to lock yourself in a concrete. It's not true. If they if they follow all the rules, they do everything Dr. Fauci and the CDC tells them, and they won't get COVID. It's it's a worthiness test. The virus only infects yep. the unworthy, the people that don't wear their masks and don't get boosted. Don't you yeah, agree? That's the myth. Yeah. So Todd, you and I have been very consistent. Vaccines have proven to reduce severe illness dramatically. I highly recommend everyone get vaccine. Vaccines will not prevent you though from contracting COVID. And so all those who've, who've, been, uh, who've had the vaccine, who've been boosted, who've locked themselves in rooms, it's not going to ensure that you don't get COVID. You're gonna get the sickness it just is going to ensure that the sickness is, does not become severe. That's what it does. And it's extremely effective at that. So Omicron is less severe than Delta when it comes to the disease and prior uh, strains of the virus, despite what Justice Sotomayor claimed during the Supreme Court oral, oral she, argument. She was on only off by like uh, <laughs> 2,000%. So. Yeah, yeah. So she claimed that 100,000 children are hospitalized with COVID right now. 100,000. And the actual of, number is about 3,500. So she yeah, was only off by, you know, by about 97,000. <laughs> yeah. Well, 96,500. Yeah, 96,500. So by the way, those kids are, they, they, they are hospitalized with COVID, meaning so, that probably half or more of them entered the hospital for other reasons and were later diagnosed with COVID. That's not according to the anti-vaxxers. That's according to data out of New York City. It's according to Dr. Fauci. He, and he Dr. Fauci said, so, yeah. we've got kids going to the hospital for other reasons. And when they get there, they've test positive for COVID, but they're not in the hospital for COVID. 
They just happen to have COVID, you know, when they show up. And everyone has COVID right now. I don't know if you've noticed, Corey, including me. I tested oh, for COVID last week and I've been quarantining for about six days and I'm fine. It was, it I was, am sorry. I, was, I did have, uh, you know, uh, pretty uh, severe cold like symptoms for about a day, day and a half. And uh, I'm not 100%, but, um, you know, I'm being very careful that I don't infect anyone outside of my household. Um, so this thing with Elena K, uh, I'm sorry, Sonia uh, Sotomayor is really troubling to me. Um, not that she made a mistake, because I think everyone is entitled to make a mistake. But in the same, this is the hearing that they had on Friday about Biden's mandates. And uh, Justice uh, Gorsuch um, said that uh, every year, hundreds, pause, comma, thousands, of people die of the flu, which is absolutely true. But the media misquoted him to say hundreds of thousands, which mm, is yeah, not true yeah. unless you're looking worldwide. And so the media, the national media, for the most part, excoriated Gorsuch for saying something false when in fact they misquoted him. And they gave Elena Kagan, who actually said something ridiculously false, they, they, did, they gave her a pass because she's a liberal. And this is the type of um, treatment that we've come to expect over the last 30 years from the media. Um, let's create a false narrative about a conservative and crucify him. And let's give the liberals a pass because, hey, she just made a mistake. Um, but uh, I agree with you. In fact, uh, on the masks, um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Lena Wen. She's a medical analyst for CNN. And yeah, she's yes. a former president of Planned Parenthood. Uh, she's one of cable news's most vigorous supporters of coercive, coercive COVID-19 measures. In fact, she previously argued that the government should prohibit unvaccinated people from, uh, from boarding airplanes. Um, and during a CNN appearance on December 21st or December 20th, she said, don't wear a cloth mask. Quote, cloth masks are little more than facial decora decorations. There's no place <laughs> for them in light of Omicron. Uh, that's from CNN's medical expert, who's a liberal Democrat. But now yeah, we, have canceled liberal, for it, though. We, we have liberal Democrats in Salt Lake County saying, hey, let's everyone, let's tell everyone to wear a cloth mask. Now, in, in fairness, they, the, the mandate says um, that a, a KN95 would be better, <clears throat> but people don't have those. I mean, there's a million, over a million people in Salt Lake County. They can't all go to Walgreens tomorrow and buy a KN95. It's just not, it's not going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So one, one more stat that's worth sharing. Justice Breyer, who's also one of the liberal justices, although he's probably the most sensible of the three, but he said 750 million Americans have, con are, have contracted uh, Omicron variant this week, which is, of course, more than twice the number of people in America. <laughs> Details so, uh, again. Hyperbole Trump, on the left. When Trump made mistakes like that, it would be a news cycle for two or three Absolutely. days. But Absolutely. Absolutely. U.S. Supreme Court justice grossly misstates or grossly misspeaks, then it's like, ah, oh, well, they're human. All right. So uh, we just marked the anniversary of the Capitol riot that occurred on January sixth last year. Democrats predictably tried to use the moment to paint all Republicans as insurrectionists and fascists, which, of course, we are, Dodd. Uh, <laughs> but do you agree with Vice President Harris, who compared January 6th to Pearl Harbor and 
Well, I don't know. Remind me, like, how many thousands of people died on Pearl Harbor? I mean, the USS Arizona sunk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there were Japanese planes, like, doing kamikazes into uh, American warships. It was a Sunday morning. People were s- sleeping in because they'd been out dancing the night before. So, no, I, I don't think it's the same as Pearl Harbor. I don't think it's the same as 9-11 when terrorists flew four planes into buildings and to empty fields and tried to, uh, I mean, January 6th was bad. And I think you and I probably agree on this. I would even go so far as to call it an attempted insurrection. But let's put it into context. Um, One person died on January 6th at the Capitol. That was a woman who was trying to break through a barrier. She was shot by a a Capitol guard. The media um, repeatedly says that seven people died. And what they're doing is they're counting several suicides that took place up to months, weeks and months later. And, and I'll, I'll admit that they're tangentially related, but one person died that day and it was one of the protesters. And so I, I'm not going to defend any, any, anyone, including President Trump, for their involvement in that. I do think, um, and while I haven't seen evidence that makes him directly responsible, clearly he was indirectly responsible for several weeks, if not months, of kind of setting the stage for that. Um, but I, I think everyone that entered the Capitol should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Interestingly, we've had about 65 of them convicted already. Most of those have been yeah. plea, plea, guilt, uh, uh, plea deals. None of them has been charged with insurrection, even though right. I yep. I'm okay with calling it that. But what happened that day was, was, um, was a low um, for our country. Um, I, 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 I think that the Democrats, I think the Biden agenda is failing. And I think that they very much tried to over-politicize this. N- not that we shouldn't honor those Capitol policemen, we should. Not that we shouldn't mark the anniversary. But to, to try to say this is the same as Pearl Harbor, I think that's an insult uh, to uh, the good men and women that died on that day. I think it's an insult to compare it to 9-11, not only for the people that died that day, but also for the firefighters who ran into those buildings just before they collapsed. Um, And I I think that a lot of the Capitol security guards, at least the ones that were not responsible for not planning properly, I think a lot of them were, did heroic things and were heroes. And and I don't want to take away from that at all. And I I rewatched some of the footage of the guy with the horns and everything. I mean, these buffoons, they weren't there representing me. I mean, they're not. Absolutely not. You know, I don't identify with them. And and I I don't appreciate um, Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden trying to paint all Republicans, all 60, 80 million Republicans with this broad brush for what a couple hundred misinformed uh, idiots did a, a year ago. And Kamala Harris isn't this the same woman who a year and a half ago uh, launched a GoFundMe and was advertising a GoFundMe account to get people out of prison who had been arrested uh, as part of BLM riots? They were attacking federal yep. buildings. They were, uh, they were trying to uh, start a federal courthouse on fire in Portland. So that was okay. And, and we should help those people post their bond. But now when Republicans do it, when people from the opposite uh, political party do it. Now we're supposed to compare it to, to 9-11. And, and I, I'm not excusing either side. Uh, BLM was wrong when they rioted. Um, the Capitol rioters were wrong, equally wrong. I just wish the media would paint them again in the same light. But instead, mm-hmm. we were told all 2020 that they were mostly peaceful protests as buildings were burning. And, and some people died during those protests. It's, it's hypocrisy. It's gaslighting. 
And this was all political theater for Democrats to paint all Republicans as a bunch of insurrectionists or whatever. But look, I think what happened was bad. I think that there were some, it's clear that there are a handful of really bad guys and those guys should absolutely be prosecuted. The others who broke the rules, broke the law, they should be prosecuted as well. But this is mostly a protest that just got out of hand. All of them should face consequences, should be prosecuted. I don't, I don't excuse it one bit, but you did, have, you did have a handful of bad guys, but these are mostly people who, who are out protesting. It got out of hand. There should be consequences for their actions. I do believe that, uh, that President Trump let things go too far. I don't think he did enough to discourage the crowd, especially earlier in the day. Capitol Police also were clearly unprepared. And as you said, many of the individual officers performed bravely, but the department failed to put the proper plan in place. I don't think this is a case of democracy hanging by a thread. I think, I think comparing it to 9-11 is just pure hyperbole. And Republicans didn't participate because Democrats were not interested in sort of like really figuring out what happened. They just wanted to create political theater and make Republicans look stupid. And um, honestly, I don't think very many Americans are even and even fewer Utahns are paying attention to this. I really don't. I like in our in our line of work, we call that a belt. We call this a beltway issue. Beltway yeah. meaning like inside D.C., like inside yeah. D.C., it's just nonstop. And I mean, the the sickening level of I mean, every single article in The New York Times for the past week have been on on uh, J- January 6th. And, uh, and once again, you and I are in, a, uh, in violent agreement that this was bad. It was very bad. I was angered by it. I worked in the Capitol for 10 years. It really angered me. I think these people mostly were a bunch of jackasses. And then you had some other people who just got caught up in the crowd. They should face consequences. And then you had a few, like a handful of really bad guys. And those are the ones that we really need to prosecute. Although all of yeah. them, you know, need to face consequences. So uh, moving on, uh, President Biden and the Senate, uh, the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer are putting the full court press once again on Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. It seems like we talk about them every, every podcast. Yeah. Uh, to agree to scrap the filibuster, uh, that's the 60-vote um, threshold cloture in, in the Senate, U.S. Senate, so the Democrats can pass sweeping federal takeover of elections in America. And Corey, before I kick this to you, the, the logic of this, I can't pass this up. So the Democrats are saying, if we don't pass sweeping new legislation right now, then the Republicans are going to pass sweeping new legislation in the states. So we have to we have to change all of this precedent and pass sweeping legislation so they don't pass sweeping legislation. Following the logic there, isn't that exactly their point? So what's the likelihood that they get Mansion and Cinema on board? You're right. We do talk about Mansion and Cinema every week because they are the bulwark right now. I mean, God bless them for for the great work that and courage that they've they've shown over the past twelve months, but. I think you know Biden and Schumer are most most likely will not succeed. I'm very hopeful that Mansion and Cinema will stand firm. They've made it clear that they will not vote to eliminate the filibuster, but who knows if they can withstand such strong uh, pressure from their friends, uh, quote unquote friends. The the voting rights bill. This is probably more important. The voting rights bill is a complete canard. So the Democrats claim that they need it to prevent Trump from stealing an election, but this is the same legislation they've been pushing for 20 years long before Trump was ever even on the scene. 
They want a federal government to take over elections across the entire country. Right now, obviously, it's run by counties and localities, but they want the federal government. They want to federalize the whole thing, which also I don't follow the logic of that, because if Trump were to win again, then Trump's in control of these federal law. Anyway, they want to legalize ballot harvesting. For those people who don't know where that is, it means uh, Democratic Party thugs can go around and collect ballots and turn them in for people. I mean, you almost can't even make up a more corrupt idea than that. Well, well at the same time, you go of course, on, let's talk about account. ballot harvesting for just a second. Ahead, well, yeah. let, let's say someone, and, and by the way, Republican thugs can collect them too. But let's say someone comes to my door. Let's say I'm 75 years old and you come to my door and you say, hey, Mr. Weiler, have you sent in your ballot yet? And I say, no, you know, they're sitting on the kitchen table and you say, hey, well, why don't you give them to me and I and I and I'll and I'll mail them in for you. And you, I look at you and say, you do that for me. And you say, sure. And so I go get them. Now, I'm going to give you two scenarios. One, I hand them to you and they're fully, fully filled out. And I say, hey, by the way, <laughs> my wife's I'm giving you my wife's, too. And I'm pretty sure she voted for the other party. Now, what if you forget to turn hers in and you just turn mine in? So that's right, right, number. right, right. Or number two, I hand it to you and I say, hey, uh, I haven't had a chance to fill it out yet. And you say, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Mr. Weiler, it's your lucky day. Just sign your name and I'll fill it out for you. <laughs> uh, that's th- those are the risks of ballot harvesting. So I, I'm surprised that when I say ballot harvesting to my friends and my family, they have no idea why that would be wrong. And I just want to leave that there. It's wild. Can you imagine that in 2022, that that's what we're going to do is allow that to happen? I mean, that's like Tammany Hall, like uh, party boss type stuff. But so uh, and, and more than that, so they want to eliminate voter ID requirements. And it's really fun because at the same time, they want you to carry around a vaccine passport to have lunch at Subway or McDonald's. But, you know, you can't possibly have uh, get a get a, a ID to vote. Obviously, this is all nonsense and none of it none of it would even address the supposed threat. They say that democracy is threatened by Trump. None of these policies would even address that. That's the, that's, that's what's so ironic about the whole thing. So this you know, week we're going to see Biden. He's going to visit, he's going to go down to Georgia. He's going to call the filibuster a tool of racism. He's going to call it Jim Crow 2.0. I really hope the mansion and cinema don't fall for it. I don't see how they would benefit from it. Frankly, right now they're at the height of their power. And if they were to eliminate the filibuster, it would completely change the game, put them in a terrible position, not just on voting rights, but on every other far left pro- uh, progressive fantasy, they would suddenly be like in play and their vote would be crucial to that. And I want to say, like Manchin has said, there's no such thing as a carve out. Once you start carving, you're stuck eating the entire turkey. And that's exactly right. This is what McConnell has said all along. There's not going to be some tiny carve out. Once you, once you carve out, it quickly leads to the complete elimination of the filibuster. So one last note that I want to say, Republicans are not just saying, hey, look, uh, this is a non-issue. Senate Republicans, at least, and I think some House Republicans are, are, are willing to have a conversation about the Electoral Count Act, which is a 19th century law that kind of governs what, how, how Congress needs to behave uh, after a presidential election in, in, ter- in terms of uh, verifying the, the vote. I mean, what they what they're talking about is like, well, let's just make it clear that the vice president can't override the will of voters um, in, in the states as uh, as she or he counts the votes. So I think there's bipartisan support for that. Hopefully that's the direction they'll go. I think Manchin will will bite at that because it actually addresses some of the potential worries that Democrats supposedly have about uh, about what happened in 2020. This bill that they have on, on 
in front of us right now, though, that's so important and so crucial to save America and democracy it has nothing to do with what happened in 2020. So the bill has two, two other components that you didn't mention that. So one, it, it, I, I, as a state legislator, if Utah, if this bill were to pass and Utah wanted to change its election laws in Utah, we would have to do a mother may I to the U.S. Department of Justice and, and ask their permission to set the policy for elections in Utah. That's what the bill would do. Number two, the bill guarantees that convicted felons in all 50 states can vote, which I think is ironic because they're using the Capitol riots as the base. <laughs> so they want to make sure that every single person that stormed inside the Capitol, that those people can still vote. Um, and, and, you know, Joe Manch, uh, Joe Biden calling this uh, a relic of, you know, the Jim Crow laws. Is this the same Joe Biden, Corey, that spent over three decades in the U.S. Senate defending the filibuster his entire yeah. Senate career? Same Is one. That the same yep. Joe Biden? Yep. Or the two Joe yep. Bidens? All right. So finally here, the Republican National Committee has named Salt Lake City a finalist to host the 2024 Republican National Convention. I think we were in the running before, but not really. Uh, but Todd, do you think we have a, a decent shot of winning this time? Is it legit? Well, I like the fact that we're in the in the final four, if you will. I, I doubt we'll get it, and I'll tell you why. I've been to three or four Republican national conventions, and they like to hold them in swing states um, so that you know they can maybe push the state, you know, the swing state in in the margin of the favor of the Republicans. Um, that usually doesn't work, but they try. So they did it in Minnesota when we nominated um, McCain. We did it in Florida when we nominated um, Romney. Um, I would love it for it to come to Utah. And I think with the new convention hotel that's being built right now, it, it it's, puts us in a better position logistically. But my guess is we'll probably lose out to another city. Yeah, I mean, so like, for example, Milwaukee is one of the other cities in, in Wisconsin is going to be a swing state very potential for Republican to, to win it, whoever the Republican nominee is. It would be fantastic for him to come here. Maybe we have a better chance because of Ronna McDaniel, um, the Romney niece, because she has a, uh, a tangential connection to Utah and Mormons, but probably not. I've met her. I don't, I don't know her, but I've met her father a couple of times, who is Mitt Romney's brother, of course, and he's a nice yeah. guy. Cool. All right. That's it. We'll be back next week with a legislative preview since the legislature kicks off on January 18th. That'll be great. And I, I'm personally looking forward to that too. All, All right. right. Catch you later, everybody. Have a good week.